this morning we're going to uh, continue uh, a message that I started two weeks ago. How many of you ever heard the statement, don't, fit, don't start it unless you can finish it? Well, I'm going to finish it today. So uh, we talked about giving a couple weeks ago. If you want to turn um, to Proverbs chapter 3 and Malachi chapter 3, uh, or as I like to call it, Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, it's the last uh, small prophet, minor prophet, uh, in, in the Old Testament, just before Matthew. So if you turn to Malachi chapter 3 and Proverbs 3, we're just going to hit Proverbs 3 real quick, but as a reminder, I know Pastor Sam was uh, filled in for me last week, and uh, many of you have come up to me and told me what a tremendous job he did, and, and I just appreciate him. Amen. Uh, they Go ahead and give him a hand if you want to give him a hand. He's... I'll call him later and tell him you all clap for him. It'll make him feel good. Stroke his ego a little bit. He was nervous. Uh, he tried to tell me he wasn't nervous, and, and uh, he was nervous. He's a liar or something. We'll have to repent about that later. <clears throat> but he was nervous, but I, I praise God that it's, it's good to leave uh, things in capable hands, and um, I appreciated him filling in for me. Um, anyway, a uh, couple weeks ago, we started talking about giving to God, and, and we kind of hit it on a, on a hard note as far as that, that giving to God can be uh, manipulated, uh, people try to manipulate it for their own advantage. We, we looked at several different ones. We looked at uh, uh, Mary versus Judas. Uh, we, looked at, um, we looked at King Saul. We looked at Simon the Sorcerer and several others that tried to give to God to try to gain something for their own purpose and for their own will. And we cleared up the fact that this is all really a heart issue. When you're given to God, it's Him keeping our hearts in check. Amen. And God is the giver. God is the extravagant giver. And those who capture the heart of their father are extravagant givers as well. This week, I would like to go a little further on the more positive note that it is good to give to God because there is an I will that follows it. Amen. Listen, this is not, I'm going to say this seven or eight times probably this morning. This is not so Pastor Bob can boost the tithe in the church, okay? Listen to me. Uh, this is so Pastor Bob can try to help you increase your faith. It's not about trying to increase the tithe and the offering in the church. We're doing fine. Okay, people say don't say that because people quit giving. Not our people. Our people are good people. They give because they give. They're good people. But I'm telling you this morning, the reason we share this stuff is because this is a church that believes in sharing the full gospel. Every part of it, every ounce of it. I felt a little bit bad coming here this morning uh, to our early service. I, I just got to thinking on the way here, in my mind, I don't think I taught this once in youth ministry. What a shame. That's horrible to not teach our young people. Now, we talk to them about speed the light and giving in that sense, but to commit a series or uh, several services about what it means to give to God and tithe an offering, I never did it. I never told them, like I told you last week, that Proverbs uh, 3 is talking about the fact that if we honor God with our wealth, our money, that we have the 90% that we didn't tithe, if we honor Him with that, and we honor Him with our tithe, the 10% that we should give to God, if we honor Him with both of those, that our barns will be full and our vats will overflow with new oil, uh, we, new wine. We saw that last week. I never taught that to our kids. What a shame. But today I'm going to teach it to you. Will you teach it to your kids for me? Will you be sure and tell your kids that this is important? Because it's vital, it's important. Let's look at Proverbs 3 real quick. I just quoted it, but let's look at it again. One more time. Uh, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, everybody say then. Then. 
then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I got to get excited anytime I hear God say, if you do this, I will. It, it's all through the scripture. You want to see a lot of if-then promises from God? Look in Deuteronomy. Look at the back few chapters of Deuteronomy where he says, if you do this, I will do this. And if you don't do that, then I won't do this. And if you do this, then I'm going to do that. If you honor me, I'll bless you. If you dishonor me, you're going to be cursed. Over and over and over and over. There's these if-thens. Listen to these. These will get you excited. Some other I wills. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We get excited about these scriptures knowing that God has heard us. John 14, 14. You may ask me what for anything in my name and I will do it. We get excited about that because we hear where God says, I promise I will do it. If you ask for anything in my name, I will. How many times have we quoted that when people have been sick? And we've asked God, and God has moved, and God's done different things. Matthew 10.32, Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Romans 10.13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, we get excited about those. We get excited about the fact that if we call on the name of Jesus, we will be saved. We get excited about that. We get excited of the fact that we know if we humble ourselves before God, if we pray and we seek His face and turn from our wicked ways, that He's going to hear from heaven. He's going to forgive us of our sins and heal our land. We get excited about that. Because God says, I will. If you ask for anything in my name, I will. Those are exciting. Listen to me, my friends. It may be distorted. It may be confused. It may be overpreached. It may, we may have seen uh, way too many megachurches built on this ministry of blessing, but listen to me. It's still in the Word of God. It can't be thrown out, my friends, because a few people have distorted it. It can't be tossed out the window because somebody's overpreached it. It can't be thrown out because somebody has gotten their mind, I can get rich if I teach people to give to me. Listen to me. I'm not doing that today. Again, I'm not trying to increase our tithe. I'm increasing your faith. It's important for us today to know and understand that if we give to God, He will. He will cause us to have all of our needs met. This morning, I, people say don't get too personal, so I'm not going to get too personal. But I, personal stories. Can I be transparent with you, please? Can, is that okay? Can I be transparent with you in light of this? Don't take this that Pastor Bob's wonderful, because it's not. I know that any one of you could sit in my office and share these same, same uh, similar stories, okay? A year ago, we had, we had a need, all right? And we had to take care of it. Uh, we, one of our children needed something, and it was going to cost us, let's just say, a lot of money. And that's, that's all I'll do. I won't give you any numbers. But we stood, and we planned, we prayed, we heard from God. God says, this is what you do. We said, we're going to do it. We adjusted some things with our money and how we handle stuff. And then we looked at the month of December. We started in November and we saw December coming. And I told April, I said, there's no way we can make it. There's no way we can make it. But I said, it's okay because we honor God with our wealth. We had some savings. So we're going to be fine. And I looked and I said, well, it's fine. We're probably going to be behind about $800 in, in uh, December. Now you say, well, because of Christmas, you got to buy Christmas. No, we'd already prepared for Christmas. That was off to the side. It's because of car insurance, car insurance, house insurance, life insurance, life insurance, 
and membership to insurance. <laughs> you're kidding me, right? All these bills lined up, and I said, you're kidding me. You want $32 more for membership. I paid it. But anyway, throughout the month, we're sitting there, and we're looking, and I told April, I said, it's okay. We're not going to make it as far as income and outgoing. We'll just pull from our savings. You want to know how good God is? We were stressed because this was our first full month with all these extra money that was leaving our hands in, in investing in our, in our child. And I'm, I'm looking at all this, and I said, I just don't know what we're going to do. And, and I said, well, just pull it out. It's not a big deal. God's already provided. My friends, can I tell you that we got to the end of the month. I wrote all the checks for the, all the insurance and everything else, put it in the mail, and I laughed because there was just like 10 bucks left in the checking. That's it. And I was like dancing. <laughs> I said, well, we haven't got groceries yet. We haven't bought groceries, but, but hey, all the bills are paid. We go back to the ramen noodle thing. I guess we could eat ramen noodles or something. <laughs> but all the groceries, I said, we need groceries. I, I, I'm not going to go into how it came in, but it came into us. And we left that month not behind, but a little bit ahead. And at that moment, I looked at her and I said, April, I said, it's going to be fine. We have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. If we are responsible with what God gives us, this is his will and he's going to see us through. Church, I didn't stop giving to God through that time period. Pastor Bob, we always want us to give to the church. Listen, I feed into this church. I pay into this church. I pay into the Indiana district as well. It, you know, if you're determined to see what I pay in tithe, you know, God forgive you for your motivation, but I'll show it to you. I'm not afraid. I give. And we continued to give, and because we continued to give, God provided. And we made it that full 12 months. We didn't have to take out one loan. And in the board, bless our board, we have a great board in this church. They recognized, I never asked a thing, I never had a problem, I never, not, not anything. They come to me and took me out for dinner and said, hey, look, we realize you've got this extra expense. Is there anything I can do for you, we can do for you as a church to help you with this? And I smiled, and this was in January. I said, we're good. We're good. So why? I said, God's got my back. And I had to promise them. If you hit a bad spot where you need help, you have to tell us. I said, I promise you, I'll tell you if I need your help. You know what happened? God had my back. In church, we made it through it. And God blessed, and God's working, and God's even working today through that situation. And I thank God for it. Why am I telling you this? Because I'm better than somebody else? Absolutely not. Because I'm exactly like you. And there's any one of you say, Pastor Bob, I'd like to hear more stories. Well, come to my office and I'll tell you all the gory details you want to and we'll talk about it. And you can share some of them with me. Come in here, it's hot outside anyway. I don't care. We'll share and build each other's faith. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you will trust God and you will honor Him with what you have and you will honor Him with your first fruits, that He will cause your barns to be full and He will cause your, your vats to overflow with new wine. Because we serve an extravagant giving God, and if our heart and our mind is right, He's going to bless us. If you turn with me to Malachi chapter 3, we're going to look in Israel's days here with, with Malachi. It's going to be kind of hard to read at first, but it's got to be done to kind of set an example for us. Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, says this. This is God speaking through Malachi. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now let's stop there for just a second. 
God was speaking to them because they had come upon a time they had an evil leader. The people, I guess evil, leader, evil leadership, where the, 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 the priests were accepting offerings that were not according to God's law. They had allowed tithe and offering to become something that was repetitious, a ritual, rather than a hard issue. Turn back to Malachi chapter 1, just a couple of pages there. Verse 6, and here's what God says, a little bit of background here as to why they're robbing him. Look what he says to the priesthood. As a son honors his father, in verse 6, and a servant his master, if I am a father, where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, where is the respect due to me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contempt. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them in, to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Stop there for a second. <laughs> what if we paid our taxes like we pay our tithes? <laughs> it wasn't Ray Stevens that had the song, something about if 10% is good enough for God, why isn't it good enough for the IRS? Something like that. It's a, good, it's a valid question. I think it's a good question. <laughs> oh, now implore God, verse 9, to be gracious to us with such offerings from your hands. Will he accept you, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun, and every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table it is defiled, and of its food it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden! And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Uh, this, that's a really hard passage, isn't it? It's, it's a really difficult passage. You say, well, why, what's the big deal? We don't sacrifice animals. No. What, what took place here, folks, is the fact that these people held on to the better thing for themselves. They gave to God the blind, the crippled, the weak. And they kept for themselves the breeding stock. Think about what I just said. They kept for themselves the breeding stock, the perfect, the good, that which could produce wealth for them. Why should I give this beautiful animal to God when I got this sick one? It's just going to die anyway. The mentality was wrong. The mentality was selfish when God said to bring a perfect animal. They, they, they reasoned a way not to do it. Now, isn't it easy for us to reason away 101 reasons why we shouldn't pay our tithe this week? Well, God, I, it's going to be a tight week this week, Lord. It's going to be hard this week, God. I've got, I've got my television bill to pay, and I've got this to pay and that to pay, and, 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 and it, gets, it gets hard. Yeah, it's raining. We've heard it before. 
It's just been a few weeks. I know everybody's like, rain, what is that? <laughs> is the sky falling? No, it's just rain. <laughs> Little children are saying, what's rain? We've never seen that before. <laughs> it's only been four weeks, folks. We're okay. 0. 0.11, 0. 0.11 rain, whatever. Unless you live in Danville, you got rain the last two days. But anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, the rain distracted me. We've got to serve God by giving Him our best and rather than holding back for our wealth, we, we look at our 10% and we think, wow, look how much I could do with that. You see how easy it is to do that? God looks at that and He goes, that's disgusting. You're wanting to use it for yourself instead of for me. In other words, it's a heart issue. It shows us where our hearts are at. Amen? Amen? It shows us that our hearts are holding this little animal or this food at such a high regard, that this food, this money for us, at such a high regard that I'm going to use it to gain my own wealth. This 10% is going to add so much more to my wealth, I'm going to go ahead and keep it. And God said that you're bringing a curse upon yourself and even cursing your whole nation. He told them that they were, they were looking at this and they were doing it grudgingly. It was burdensome. Oh. Got to pay tithe and offering. It's burdensome. It's a mentality and a heart that shows us that our love is for the money more than it is for God. It's, listen, folks, I live by this too. I'm going to keep reminding you of that. I live by this. We all live by this. And if we will grab a hold of this principle of giving to God, look at what the challenge he says. If you, in other words, if you get past yourselves, if we get past ourselves and we say, hey, look, you know, uh, let's give to God. See what it says in verse 10. I love it when God challenges us. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the, gut, the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from your devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will, cast, will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord God Almighty. Test me in it. There's very few things that God says test me in. He says, you know what, people? If you love me and you serve me, test me by holding true the principles that I've set forth in my word. If I've told you to pay tithe, test me with it. Give me some tithe. Pay me tithe and see what happens. You see if your fields are not full. And see if your fields of the animals won't come and destroy your crops. You see if there's not protection there. You see if I will not bless you. See, here's the thing. God doesn't want to bless us because we want to take from Him to gain wealth, which shows that our wealth is more important to us. But why would God bless somebody that's a giver to Him? Because that wealth is not their God. He is. And in today, in the United States of America, what is our God? We even call it the Almighty Dollar. And the Almighty Dollar is being destroyed even as we speak trying to find some way to not default on a loan because we're so lustful for money, stealing and borrowing and begging for more money all the time. More money, more money. Now how are we going to pay for the money we took? It's because this desire for things, the God of, of Jehovah God, the God of Israel, uh, my God, your God, is not the God of our nation. It may be on our money, but the truth of the matter is, is the money is what our people are trusting in. And God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our lambs. He doesn't need our bullocks. He doesn't need that stuff. He needs our hearts. And our hearts are so stuck in our money that He can't get through to it. 
And God's crying out to the people of God. He's saying, listen, listen to me. All the stuff you're seeking, all the stuff you want is not going to come to you until you get the principle right. This isn't in my notes. I believe it was in Nehemiah's day when they were rebuilding the temple. And they said, look, your purses are empty. Your pockets are empty because you've turned away from the temple of the Lord and you've started building your own homes and you've turned away from God and now you're just going to have holes in all your pockets and you're going to lose all your wealth. Why? Because their heart was about their things and not about the things of God. You see, it's, it's this principle of getting to God and making Him first in our lives and then He will also increase us. Here's the other thing that's been distorted. Somebody put ice in my drink. I keep getting ice chips in my mouth. Luke 6, you don't have to turn there. But Luke 6 makes clear several of these principles in our lives. Uh, one of them is, is very used, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But, but it makes clear that if we love our enemies, if we love those that hate us, if we're merciful as our Father is merciful, we will receive a reward. But, but listen... When we sow into God, when we give to God, the reward we receive isn't always what we gave. Think. The money that I give and tithe doesn't automatically mean I'm going to get money back. There are eternal blessings that far outweigh the precious money that we always seek for. If we, uh, if we love those that hate us, if we're merciful as God is merciful, the reward we're going to reap isn't going to be that we're going to reap more people that hate us to love. Does it? No. And, and how many of us know that if we love those that hate us, have you ever loved somebody that hated you anyway? And then even after you loved and loved and loved on them, they still hated you? It doesn't mean that everybody's going to love you if you love everybody. Amen? It doesn't mean that. But what you leave with is peace. Oh, precious, wonderful peace. But Pastor Bob, I can't buy a new television with peace. No, but you can sleep at night. Praise God, turn the television off and close your little eyeballs and just curl up and go to sleep. Well, what, about, what about what it says about judge that you be not judged? What does it say about to not condemn so that you won't be condemned? Listen, have you ever been not judged somebody and somebody still judge you back anyway? Have you ever not condemned somebody and somebody still condemn you back anyway? So what is it that you leave with in the reward? You leave with the fact that your father's not going to judge you. You leave with the fact that your father's not going to condemn you. Why? Because you've captured his heart of giving something that's hard to give. Isn't that precious? Peace. Wonderful peace. Isn't that amazing? And then you look further in that. Let's look a little further in that. I'm kind of losing my thought process here, so I'm going to walk back up. But Look here what it says. Forgive and you will be forgiven. How many of you have forgiven somebody and they don't forgive you back? Well, you don't, because you don't always receive back what you gave. Sometimes you do. Amen? Sometimes you receive forgiveness back. How many of you have ever forgiven somebody that said, I'm never going to forgive you ever? I'm never. <laughs> and you know what you say? You go, okay, I forgave you. See ya. <laughs> Peace. It's nice, isn't it? Eternal reward, eternal blessing. But listen to what Luke 6.38 says. This has been blown out of principle, it's been blown out of proportion, it's been overused, but listen to it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Listen to me, my friends. It may not come back to you exactly with what you spent out. 
It doesn't mean if you give $100, it's going to come back to you a million. But if you are a giving individual, and it does come back to finances, as well as it does forgiveness and love and mercy and all those other things, if you are a giving individual and compassionate, you will be blessed. <laughs> Did you hear me? You're going to be blessed. So no, no, my money. My money. Precious money. Pastor, you're just trying to take my money. I don't want your money. I don't see it. I don't Listen, I told him this in the first service. I need to hurry up because I'm going to go way long if I don't hurry up. But I told the first service, I said, of everything that your pastor is tempted with, I can promise you this is not one of them. You hear stories of pastors, you know, embezzling and taking and stealing. And there's always churches full of people and boards. There's always a few. They're always like, what's that pastor doing with his money? <laughs> Listen to me. If there's any area where your pastor is in danger of failing God, it's not with this. I am not controlled by I don't care about this. I have given more of this away than you can imagine. I don't, I don't care. I'm not controlled by money. But the matter of the fact is this, that if you, are, if you have a need in your life, and you are a generous person, and you are a giver, and you honor God with your wealth, and you honor God with your tithe, it's going to be provided for you. One way or the other. One way or the other. And I know there's many of you that could share those stories. Let's look here in Malachi 3, verse 18. Let's start closing this out here pretty quick. There's a difference. A generous heart is evidence of a converted heart. Malachi 3.18 says, And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. You say, what's that mean? God just got done telling them, if you will bring into the storehouse, I'm going to pull, open up the windows of heaven, the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. He's going to pour out his blessing. And then he confronts them on some other things that they were saying. And he closes off the whole thing by telling them, you're going to see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. In other words, making the promise that once again, there are those people that are going to apply the principles and there's going to be a distinction of blessing between one and the other. You say, well, Pastor Bob, I know a lot of people that are sinful, that are very wealthy. You're exactly right. And their blessing and their, their reward is right now. And that's it. That's it. But there's a distinction between a believer who is a giver and gives to God and those that are not a believer and gives to God. They may have their reward now, but you and I may not see that reward until we get into heaven someday. We may not see financial blessing like you wouldn't believe. We may struggle our whole lives financially. But you know what? Miraculously, the needs are always met. Let's look, let's look at a few of these distinctions, those people. Matthew 6, Jesus said this as we get ready to look at him. He says this, uh, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God wants us to not chase after the things that the pagans chase after. And that's usually what we withhold our money for. All the stuff, all the stuff, all the glorious stuff, the new house, the new car, the new, new iPad, the new phone, whatever it may be, I don't care what it is. The glorious stuff that we've got to have that we indebt ourselves to. He says, don't chase after this. Don't, don't look at that stuff. First, his kingdom and his righteousness. 
Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And then all these other things will be added to you. Whenever you spend money, Pastor Bob, think about His kingdom. Is this going to limit you in His kingdom? Is it going to help you in His kingdom? Is it going to move the gospel forward? Or is it going to hinder you from helping a brother down the road? Think about it. Church, if we would think of all of our decisions like that, do you realize how it would change our lives? If we don't chase after the things that the pagans chase after, and we live a righteous life, and our wealth is grown, and we're used of God, then what's going to happen is, is He's going to supply all the needs for us. Here's a couple of quick examples. I'm just going to skip that one. I'm just going to cut right to the last one because for time's sake. The greatest example, if you turn with me to Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 38. As he taught, I guess I'll wait till I finish hearing pages ruffle. It's good to hear pages ruffle. Mark chapter 12, verse 38. As he taught, Jesus said, Watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Such men will be punished most severely. Stop right there for just a second. I backed up and read this much because usually what I'm about to read, people start at verse 41. But remember we said there's going to be a distinction There's a distinction between those who honor God, who live for God, who serve God, and those who do not. Jesus was making very clear that the Pharisees, those that that walk around, the priests that walk around and act like they're important, they devour widows' houses. They take the weakest, they take the poorest, they take the simplest, and they destroy them for their own purpose and own will. Do we have some ministers like that today? We do. We have ministers right now that try to work their way into people's homes and to get whatever they can out of them. Now look at the distinction between his, his teaching with his disciples about these individuals and then it just so happens Jesus sat down in verse 41 opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Now this morning, God is not telling us to give everything that we have to the church. He wants us, he wants to have our hearts. And when he has our hearts, everything we have is available to him. It doesn't mean we, I want you to bring in and empty your bank account into, into these offerings. That, that is not the message this morning. Jesus showed the distinction between those who were hard on the poor and then Him seeing the poor. Listen to me this morning. If you are in a bad place and you're giving to God, Jesus sees you. And He's teaching His disciples right there, saying, look, this is who's important to me. It's not the thousands of dollars that come in. Is this the message today, folks? It's not the thousands of dollars that come in. It's the heart of the one giving it. And you have to ask, say, Pastor Bob, why was that woman giving her two little copper coins? That's all she had. Why was she giving it? Because maybe she knew of the story, the account of the widow that God had commanded to, to feed Elijah. 
Maybe, just maybe, she understood and had heard the principle of giving that God commanded this, this woman to feed Elijah. There was a drought in the land and this poor little old widow, all she had was her and her son and they had been gleaning the fields that now were dry and parched because of an evil king that God was punishing the nation and now all they had was a little cake left and some oil, a little flour and a little oil and, and here comes Elijah and he says, hey, why don't you go get me a drink of water? Oh, and while you're at it, why don't you go make me a cake? Go make me a sandwich. Just kidding. Go make me a cake. And she looks at him and says, look, all I have is enough for me and my son. We're going to gather sticks. We're going to go cook it and eat it and die. He said, make one for me first and then make one for you and your son. Because God says in all these days, the flour's not going to run out and the oil's not going to run out. Do you feel that in your spirit? Do you feel that? That's the spirit of God confirming in your soul his principle. That this little old woman, this little widow woman, figured out and knew. She says, look, I'm dead anyway. What are these two copper coins going to do for me? I'm dead anyway. Lord, you can have it all because I know that you sustained a widow through an impossible situation because she obeyed your voice. Church, if we will obey the principle God, says, God has commanded us to give. And if we will give and we do that willingly and openly and joyfully and say, God, I, I'm going to give to you because you're God. He's going to take that and he's going to sustain us. You don't have to be joyful about it. I am because I know what I'm doing. I'm joyful because I know God's sustaining me. And I've seen Him sustain me. I told you last week, we plan on eating ramen noodles all the rest of our lives. And we, ate, we only ate them when we wanted to now. God's been good to us. Amen? So this morning, I, I want to close this out with communion. If Devin would go ahead and come up or whoever's going to be playing... There's not anything else in the account of that, that woman that gave the two, two copper coins. There's not anything else of that account. But I can tell you this much. She was blessed. You say, well, how do you know she was blessed? All you have to do is go back and look in Elijah's day and see if she was blessed or not. Because she obeyed God and she gave. I guarantee you, it's not going through the Scripture and saying, elaborating on some great thing that happened in her life, but I can promise you, in light of the Word of God, she was blessed. She maybe never was wealthy. But I guarantee you, her needs were met. This morning, I want to close this out with us because it's easy for us to, to look at all of this stuff and say, you know, Pastor Bob, I, why do you want me to give? And why are we supposed to give? And the whole principle of giving, it offends me. God wants, tells me I can't do stuff now. i got to give him my money too. It just offends me. Listen, that, that's not the heart of our Father. You see, you remembered Malachi? He said, I want you to give me the best, the perfect, the pure, the, the holy, the best of your, your, your stock. Bring it in and sacrifice it to me. They didn't understand the picture that God was painting for them. God was painting a picture to them of who their Messiah was going to be. And the fact that even though man gave in, listen my friends, we can give money, we can throw money, we can give and give and give and give, and you cannot outgive God. As a matter of fact, you're only going to give in symbol of what God has already done for you. You see, our God is an extravagant giver. He's an extravagant giver. You serious? And in, in, in all, all you're going to do is fight over paying a tenth of your tithe that he's asked for? Seriously? 
Do you think that he looks at us today and says, hey, look, you're not robbing me. You're robbing yourself. Do you see what I mean? Today, he has provided. He has provided for us salvation. He has provided. He is the extravagant giver. It's not us. So when we give extravagantly and when we give and to honor him, it's, we're lining ourselves up with his word. We're dying to our flesh. We are placing no other gods before us, only Him. And we're saying, God, I am not going to serve the God of mammon. I am not going to serve the God of money. I'm going to serve you, the God that laid His life down. You see, Jesus was commanded by God to come down here for us. It's not in Scripture, but He's the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. We know that before the foundations were ever laid, the decision was made, the Lamb's going to go die for us. That decision was made way before. I can hear God the Father telling him, if you'll just go down there, you'll live a holy life, a righteous life, be an example to them of who I am. If you will speak the truth to them, you're going to die on a tree. You're going you're to face horrible persecution. The sin of the world is going to be placed on you, even though you're holy. You've got to live holy and perfect. And then when you go to that cross and you die on that tree, you're doing it as a gift for those people. So that one day, I will. <laughs> I will. I will make a place that where you are, they may be also. So that you can prepare a place for them. And Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying great uh, tears and, 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 and sweat as great drops of blood as He was in turmoil and anguish with the decision to obey His Father. And the anguish coming from the fact that he knew that he, as holy, was going to have something happen to him that's never happened before. He was going to become sin separated from his father separated from his father and we just want to sit there and say Pastor Bob it's my money listen he's the extravagant giver folks it's us that need to line ourselves up with his sacrifice a little bit amen Amen.